0: Hey, CJ, is that Gahooligans promo ready yet?
1: Sure is, PB. You want to hear it? Yeah. Hello, Owlets. I can hear your beaks churring with the who's, the why's, and other forbidden questions about Catherine Lasky's Guardians of Gahool. Join us, the Gahooligans, twice every dwanking in the great blue yonder, for some glocks given spronk, some laughter therapy, and some subglotious ransacking of literary merit.
0: Okay, I only understood about
1: a third of that, and did you use an owl swear in there? No, you didn't do the assigned reading? No, that's your job, CJ.
0: I'm just here for the owl facts.
1: Well, we'll have to work on your vocabulary. I guess you'll have to teach me every other week on Gohooligans. Only on the
0: Moonshot Network. Another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline.
1: and I'm your other host, Jane.
0: And we're your favorite podcast, all but the books of Rick Riordan. Today, we're continuing the Sword of Summer. How are you doing today, Janie?
1: I'm I'm doing pretty good. I'm I'm taking money straight out of Bandai's pocket. Is what I've been doing today.
0: You've been you've been doing some embezzlement. What's happening?
1: Uh, I have been uh, building my high grade Caliban. Uh, And specifically what I've been doing with it is using a Sharpie to recolor the stickers so that they're red, so that it looks like the the Permit Score 8 variant from earlier in the show.
0: Oh.
1: Because it doesn't come with those stickers right out of the box, and those chiseling fuckers are going to do a limited release of one with red stickers at some point. So I I am simply getting ahead of that, and also distributing the information to er anyone else who wants to make a little red one.
0: That's right. Listeners, you too can use a marker.
1: (laughs) So yeah, that's, that's, that's been my day. As you can tell, I haven't really done anything interesting. How are you, Jacqueline?
0: I'm okay. I uh, have also not done too much interesting. It's pretty early. We're we do, doing a little noon recording. Uh, so I basically ate some breakfast and sat down to record.
1: It's five o'clock for me. I have no such excuse.
0: <laughs> uh, going to a play later, so that's exciting. Then I have to do Ooh. laundry. Uh,
1: that's oh. even more exciting than a play. What play is it?
0: It's a, it's a production of a play called They Don't Pay, We Won't Pay, which is a...
1: Uh, Ooh, can I guess? Can I guess? Yeah. Is it about a rent strike?
0: I... so Okay, it is written... It's an Italian play. Uh, it's, a, it's sort of a, a, a Marxist farce about... I think it's actually... Is it about a rent strike? I actually don't know what it's about, um, but I'm going to guess it's similar. I think it's about some sort of strike. <laughs>
1: It, it seems... Yeah, that seems like the obvious thing for something titled that to be.
0: Yeah, yeah. But instead of uh, going to a play right now, I'm going to play around with my friend Jane and record a podcast. Yay. So, should I get right into summaries, or do we have anything, any news or anything?
1: uh Oh, yeah, I guess we can... The Actors Strike ended, like, a couple of weeks ago. We've been able to talk about the Percy Jackson TV show for a while, and we just haven't.
0: Oh, yeah, that's just starting, like, this month.
1: Yeah, that's that's in, like... Two, two weeks just over i think
0: that's exciting we do have plans for covering we do,
1: oh oh we do have plans we do i forgot about that uh the episode titles got released they're probably just chapter titles from the book
0: let's see let's see uh
1: yeah p- chapter one i accidentally vaporized my pre-algebra teacher chapter two i become supreme lord of the bathroom we visit the garden dome emporium i plunge to my death a god buys us cheeseburgers. we take a zebra to vegas we find out the truth sort of the prophecy comes true yeah these these are just the chapter titles
0: that's fine <laughs> it, it, it tells us I guess the exact pace of the show is also what it does just then
1: this yeah this is true uh,
0: I, I guess that's probably what I expected though from like an 8 episode series
1: it's almost like they split it up into like 4 chapter chunks and then gone through it that way which I think is the <laughs> optimum way to uh, to attack that book
0: yeah yeah You I, I, do you have any bias in that sort of thought
1: <laughs> no not at all why would you ask
0: chapter 53 how to kill giants politely <laughs> Stanley, actually, we're doing six chapters, so I guess fuck me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 53 How to Kill Giants Politely. Stanley, son of Sleptner, gives the gang a roller coaster flight right up to the windowsill of the giant's house and then disappears in a puff of smoke. While Hearth and Blitz stay outside to take a breather, Magnus and Sam go in alone. They find that Ganella has been trapped in the form of a swan inside a birdcage, and in front of that cage are two giantesses. Sam insists on saving her, then tells Magnus that the reason the senior Valkyrie is so distrusting of Loki's children in the first place is because a long time ago a son of Loki got into Valhalla, charmed her, and then was discovered to be a spy. Magnus asks Jack to do his thing and go to kill some giants, but Jack refuses. He respects tradition and won't murder someone in their home, without proper cause. Instead, Magnus and Sam are going to have to do the old-fashioned thing and claim guest rights. Chapter 54 why you should not use a steak knife as a diving board. Inside the kitchen, Magnus and Sam make themselves known to the two giantesses, Gjelp and Greep, who are a little bit tipsy. Our heroes immediately claim the rights of hospitality towards guests, and what ensues is a battle of… politeness, I guess, where the hosts try and kill the guests without outright saying that's what they're doing, and Magnus and Sam try not to accidentally give them anything they can take as permission to do so. During this, the giantesses offer a deal. They'll hand over Thor's weapon and Ganela, but in exchange, our heroes must give themselves and Jack over. This is a bad deal. So Magnus switches to plan B. Uh, He infuriates them by admitting to killing their sister in the river, which causes them, in their anger, to let slip aloud that they've been trying to do a little guest murder. Hospitality rules? Broken. Jack is free to go into action and kills them both incredibly quickly. But Magnus also breaks his leg in the process with a little jumping off a steak knife—a uh, little stunt—and they can hear just outside the door that the giantess's father has come home. Chapter fifty-five: I'm carried into battle by the first dwarven airborne division. Just as Daddy arrives, so too do Hearth, Blitz, and a freshly rescued Ganella parachuting down from a rescue operation. Magnus's protectors got up to all the hubbub was about. It's time to confront Galpin Group's old man, Gernod. The group crawls under the door into the next room, and Magnus immediately invokes guest rights once more, banking on the fact that Gernod hasn't learned of his daughter's death yet. Sam proposes a bargain for the weapon and Ganilla's freedom, which Gernod refuses, because he'd rather make them earn it. He tells them they'll need to survive a game of catch, just as he begins to scoop up hot coals from his brazier. Chapter 56 Never Ask a Dwarf to Go Long the crew duck and run from Gernod's highly accurate throwing. They only survive because he's a bit drunk, and Magnus figures the only way they're gonna escape their lives is with a bit of cunning. He lures Gernod into chucking his projectiles at the room's supports until eventually the roof crashes down, crushing the giant completely. The gang get a bit buried under dust, but everyone survived, including Ganella, now back in her human form and with a sword at Blitzen's throat. Chapter 57. Sam hits the eject button. Ganella insists that everyone come back with her to Valhalla. Magnus tries to convince her that Surt is absolutely going to release Fenris' Wolf tomorrow night, or as Sam corrects them, literally tonight, but Ganella is convinced that his mind's just been freaked by Sam's Loki-style trickery. Regardless, she still considers herself fair, so promises them a proper trial. But that doesn't happen. Instead, Hearthstone distracts her, and Sam is able to get a hit in on her emergency exit bracelet, which teleports her right back to Valhalla. They're safe! Well, for now. They all head through the ruins of the house and find Thor's signature weapon. Or… wait a second. Thor's iron staff? Wrong weapon! It's still a powerful item that was gifted to Thor by his friend, a giantess named Grid, and apparently Thor satisfied enough with this to appear and congratulate them all on a heroic victory. He asks them to keep Mjolnir's continued missing this secret, and reveals that he knew Sam was a daughter of Loki all along, but he doesn't hold it against her. After all, biology isn't destiny, and he and Loki had some real good times together back in the day. He's about to leave and they remind him their reward was supposed to be the location of the Wolf's Island, so he tells them to go find the dwarf brothers at Boston's Long Wharf. They know the way, and sure they'll no doubt try to kill everyone, but as long as our heroes can survive, they'll be able to get to the island with no issue. Then, Thor gives them all one final gift. He spins his staff and sends each of them to wherever they most need to go. Chapter 58. What the hell? Magnus wakes up in the middle of a snowstorm atop Bunker Hill in Boston, or at least that's where he thinks he is until a beautiful goddess with half her face damaged appears next to him. He instantly recognizes that she's Hell. She called him here to convince him of her father Loki's plan, give the sword to Uncle Randolph and remove him from play. If he follows through, she promises to claim Natalie Chase's soul and let the two of them stay in Helheim, reunited. She asks that he take a lesson from this place, which is technically Breed Hill, where the so-called Battle of Bunker Hill took place. The battle was horrible for everyone involved, and the British actually claimed victory that day. But in the end, despite all that suffering, it didn't matter. Just as that one win was insignificant to the end result of the war, so she claims as his quest. Magnus considers the offer seriously. He imagines the days when he and his mom were together, how alive she was, and then pictures what it would be like for her to live in this afterlife forever. Letting his tears flow, Magnus refuses Hal's offer. He draws Summer Brander, Jack, and declares he'll honor his mom by remembering her as she was and continuing with his life as she would have wanted. He tells Hel to leave him alone and tell Loki no deal. But before he can raise his blade to her, she disappears in the snow, and Magnus finds himself suddenly teetering high in the sky on the edge of a rooftop. So Jane, what'd you think of our chapters today?
1: This these, these were some uh, funny, funny little action chapters uh, capped off by uh, big Big Magnus moment.
0: Oh, that's exactly it. Yeah, these are these are great. they. I love to read a book and then realize that I'm literally exactly right about all the themes.
1: <laughs> yeah?
0: It's, it's one of those moments that makes me like, ha, I can, I can, like, properly analyze and, like, deconstruct this book for 13-year-olds.
1: You're intelligent enough to watch a play about a Marxist rent strike or whatever the fuck that was.
0: That's true. I, 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 I my, my brain is so big. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I thought these were good. Um, Same. I-, I thought they were good little bit of an interesting start when they get it when they were like looking into the house <laughs> sorry this just like really threw me off at the start um, uh-huh. Mag- Magnus describes the fire- their fireplace the giant's fireplace as burning as big as an urban riot
1: yeah that's uh <laughs> that's, that's one of those little Rick Riot and similes that you know that he put in there without thinking about <laughs>
0: Uh uh-huh like it doesn't really make sense for magnus's character i don't think like
1: this is the same character who later in this chapter is talking about how cool it is when horses abuse cops who are riding them
0: yeah and like i don't what riots would magnus have seen and what also i i don't feel like there's usually actually a huge giant fire at a riot you know what i mean
1: yeah i feel like if there if there's a fire that big during a riot the riot turns into people running away from a big fire
0: yeah, like this is like the Fox News image of a riot. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> this is Rick Riordan is just like, of course, when people, a bunch of people get together and sort of, you know, have 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 a problem with things. That's there's they they sort of set a giant fire like that engulfs half the city, right?
1: Uh, unless it was during the American Revolution, in which case it was noble and cool.
0: It, yeah, it was based and awesome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they have to have sympathy for those poor Brits. yeah no but apart from that i i I think this was this is a strong set of things at the the start here sam really does instantly i think we were right with our read on her character about how like she Mm -hmm. like really likes to conform to like very traditional structure and how she is like trying to like succeed uh inside of traditional structures right um yeah her her like Big reason she wants to save Ganilla is because, like, that's the proper Valkyrie thing to do. Like, she's her captain.
1: Yeah, it doesn't seem to really matter to Sam that the Valkyries, like, fucking hate her and, like, clearly did not give her a fair shake at all. Like, she... You know, when when they go low, she goes high.
0: Yeah, no, that's the vibe for sure. It's, you know, I I may have experienced... I may have experienced racism at the hands of my fellow poli- police officers but when, they, when they're when you know when there's a dangerous criminal holding one of them hostage I will I'll, I'll be the one to save them and then they'll understand I'll have I'll have proved myself right
1: I'm hoping that this is like the starting point for an arc for her otherwise she's just going to be Suzaku Kururugi and no character ever wants to remind me of Suzaku Kururugi
0: <laughs> that's a code geos right
1: Yes, he's okay. the one who's like, I'm I'm gonna uh, join the Britannia military and work my way up the ranks of this occupying force who is extremely racist at me.
0: Ah, well, let's let's hope Sam isn't that. <laughs> and we get Ganella's backstory, too, to learn why she's so racist.
1: We called this. We did. I just think it's very funny that, like, you know, Sam being, like, a child of Loki, I think is very much being, like, used as, um... Is kind of a mythological translation of, like, uh, people being racist at her. And that therefore, the, the logic of this is that uh, Gunilla dated uh, a kid from Iraq a while ago, and then he turned out to be a shithead, so now she's racist.
0: Yeah, no, that is kind of just the vibe of it. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, she... We were just watching um, a bit about Korra, uh, like, a video <laughs> on Korra. Uh, we're reminded that Mako's backstory is that uh, he... Uh, it was like he was robbed he was mugged by firebenders and so now he like has like a bit of a grudge um like a chip in his shoulder and that's like mm-hmm. the classic thing. it's an arrow too you know Malcolm Merlin's wife was killed by a mugger and so now he wants to kill all poor people uh it's 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 a it's who the a fuck classic. is
1: Malcolm Merlin
0: I guess we haven't gotten there yet
1: no spoilers Thor's way behind yeah
0: <laughs> Fuck, you're right. No, that's season one <laughs> shit. That's season one shit. Don't worry. All right, all right, all right. And, and so, Ganella has this classic sort of thing where she, you know, she was burned and so now she takes the whole group as representative of that. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, doesn't reflect super kindly on her.
1: No, it, it really doesn't. I think we predicted this way back when, when, like, she was giving Magnus that tour of Valhalla. And I think we said at the time that this, if this is what it turns out to be, it's gonna suck. And it did, and it does.
0: Yeah, yeah. and like it's fine it's not like a bad story decision necessarily but like it mostly just means that she's definitely a shithead right like
1: i i need sam to tell her to fuck off for this
0: please yes
1: (laughs) it's fine if canila is a shithead as as long as the the moral isn't just that sam should take it
0: i i that's what i would really prefer yeah I do like that she she does get to explode Ganella later in these chapters, though. <laughs> I That exchange later on. What do you think of their, like... What do you think of this? Because I... She's really insistent on the whole, like, you've fallen for the lies of this daughter of Loki thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I actually think this is kind of a great exchange. Mm-hmm. Because what that fall the the way that this goes is like she's like you've fallen for the lies of this daughter of loki and you know sam or magnus is like you mean the full moon isn't tonight which you know <laughs> I, and she's like no it, it's tonight i mean stop confusing me and i think this is so good because even though sam like probably isn't tricking magnus right mm-hmm. um i understand how ganilla feels in a way because like we've seen loki so many times and this is how he tricks people like by just confusing them and saying shit that like is you can't you can't disagree with it like objectively that is the time scale but they're like Mm -hmm. ganilla believes as magnus believes about loki there is like a deeper sort of uh you know behind the surface lie that is going on that is not so obvious and i think that like sort of makes her it makes her just like It doesn't, it means that Ganilla feels less like she is blindly, like, combative and more that she is, like, actually, she understands the Loki style a little bit, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's not just, like, blind deference to Odin. It's, like, a familiarity with what Loki does.
0: Yeah. And I guess presumably a, a familiar sort of thing for that because of her relationship with whatever the child of Loki was.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think we'll meet that character? Because Ganilla's still around, and we don't hear that they died.
0: Maybe, yeah.
1: This seems like a character who's going to show up as, like, as like a, a book two villain. That would be cool. We also get, uh, in this exchange, I think, a little shout-out for Magnus's hallmates, who uh, we thought those were going to be major characters.
0: They could still be major characters. I, I think <laughs> There they-
1: is not enough of this book left for that to happen.
0: <laughs> there isn't, but they could be like major series characters, I guess.
1: They could also show up in book two. Book two could just be them fighting Ganilla's ex boyfriend.
0: That might be cool. I. (laughs) And it's interesting. It's literally Magnus being like, but those guys are cool. But are they that cool? (laughs) Like, are they cool enough for me to, like, want to hang out with for the rest of, like, my existence?
1: He does get into more of that with Hell. Yeah. I like how much of just a fucking asshole Magnus is. Yeah. Where, um, during the fight with the, uh, giants, like, Sam gives him a direction to, like, uh, do a specific maneuver to, like, I think it's, like, jump and ping a bunch of, like, knives at them or something. And instead, Magnus just, like... No, wait, what is it that he does specifically? Fuck.
0: Are you talking about the moment where she wants... She, like, says, Magnus! He takes that as, like, her, him, her wanting him to, like, jump off a steak knife as a diving board, but actually yes. she wants him to, like, bring her a salt shaker?
1: Yes, exactly that. Well... <laughs> His first instinct is to just immediately go, alright, I guess I'm gonna, like, do something borderline suicidal. Yeah. And just fucking... (laughs) The fact that, like, the the result of this is not like, oh, he loses a magic power or something, or they, like, I don't know, they they lose an item, but it's just that, like, he breaks his fucking leg. (laughs) Just makes him feel like such a jackass.
0: A little bit, yeah. Which I
1: like. I like that Magnus is like this.
0: No, absolutely. And you know, classic Rick Riordan good like breaking part of your bones description here.
1: He must have broken some bones during his life cuz he he's good at describing that really viscerally.
0: Yeah, and it's like very distinct also like it's it's similar in so far as it's also, you know, someone breaking breaking bones, but it's like very distinct from uh, I think the the part in Heroes of Olympus where Annabeth breaks her foot, uh, mm. which we really liked.
1: Or even, like, earlier in this book where Magnus cracked some ribs, and that's described as, like, vials of acid cracking. Or, and this yeah. is more just, like, uh, I think he says, like, some of the like hot lightning up his spine whenever he moves his leg.
0: Yeah, like, a big emphasis on, like, the nausea that goes along with mm-hmm. it. It's really good. And then that, that continues to just be, like, part of what's happening for the entire rest of these chapters is Magnus sort of having his leg healing. And, and I, I, fucking
1: Blitz having to cart him around.
0: Yes. Now the good thing is, uh he he, he has healing power, so the, the injury doesn't stay quite as long as it does for Annabeth.
1: Yeah. God, uh, I know I know that it's probably just because he didn't want to get his other leg broken, but I do find it surprising that he didn't at least consider asking uh Sam to turn into a horse for him to ride during this bit.
0: He kinda does. Like he, he, not, a, not a horse, but he like Blitz is like, oh, oh I'm getting so tired. And, Sam, and and Magnus is like, well, you gotta do it. Unless, and Sam is that, like
1: Oh, that's what that was.
0: Sam is like, um, no. <laughs> what did you think it was?
1: No, I think that that exchange just was one of those things that just like blew by me.
0: Totally, yeah. I, It's interesting mm. that she is so insistent on like she did it once and mm-hmm. th- and then ever since then she has been very insistent on like I will not do this again like now that she's revealed why she doesn't like to she very consistently refuses to tra- to transform you in these moments where like it would be very helpful Uh, and it's it, it, you know it's one of those like good uh, character beats where like she did it once she won't do it again
1: I, I almost feel like it's kind of the opposite where it's like it's it's playing to like an insecurity that like this is not something that she likes people knowing about and now all of these people know that she's a child of Loki and that she can and has used those powers so she's being like very vocal every time about no I'm not going to do it I don't want to do this no matter how useful it will be and I think that's kind of like almost like she's protesting a bit too much and she's probably going to end up doing it later because she'll be tempted by the power or some shit
0: no, I think you're I don't know if she'll be tempted by the power. That's not I mean, it could be. But that is, I think, the good the correct read, her insecurity. Um I, I think the way that she the way that she says the way that she's like, um, no. Like that that you can tell there's some insecurity there. Mm-hmm. Another commonality between Percy and Magnus is discovered here, which is mm-hmm. that uh Frey apparently is the patron god of
1: horses. Oh that's true, yeah.
0: So we just, Rick Riordan loves to have a funny, like, a funny guy who can talk to a horse.
1: A funny guy who can talk to a horse and or has, like, some kind of favorite color of food.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. But I, Magnus
1: is cooler because he never uses his powers to make the horses fucking clothesline cops.
0: <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah, that that's awesome. Like, <laughs> I, I, first of all, I didn't realize Boston had fucking mounted police. That's awful. Um I mean I think they
1: get them in most big cities.
0: I guess so. I I I've never lived in a city that big, so I guess I I wasn't sure, ah. I, I associate them so heavily with Canada, the the RCMP or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I I like that, you know, always checking back in Magnus's history. I like that we're going for like, oh yeah, the thing he can relate to about this is the time that he like had to run away from a cop. Um uh, mm-hmm. And I, I hope that he does it more later. I want to see funny cop, like, horse <laughs> destruction
1: moments. Book three is just 50 chapters of that.
0: This is this truly is Magnus's, like, I'm Magnus Chase and this is Jackass. Today we're going to be pushing, <laughs> like, making horses run out from underneath their cops and seeing how funny it is when the cops fall.
1: <laughs> God, speaking of 50 chapters, we're most of the way through this book, like, like two episodes left on this. I'm not sure it feels like we're quite at finale kind of level of tension, but then I feel like that's maybe the pattern with most Rick writing books.
0: Yeah, we've really breezed through. It makes me wonder just like how serialized this is going to be. Like, is the next book going to pick up like immediately where this leaves off, you know?
1: Mm, that's true, yeah, because that I think that was kind of what started happening, especially in like the middle of Heroes of Olympus, where like stuff would start ending on cliffhangers.
0: Yeah, the problem with Heroes of Olympus though was that. They didn't have like every single chapter wasn't good the way that this book has been
1: <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I the th- the problem was that the book was worse.
0: Yeah, so even though we have three, oh, thirteen, fourteen, 15, like fifteen chapters left, uh, I can still see uh, I can still see that like either building to a strong ending or like having a good cliffhanger. Hmm. And you know what? the the good thing about the show is we don't have to wait. We we're gonna start the book the next week. This is true. Also, uh, interesting stuff with um uh, when Hearthstone wakes up from his unconsciousness, his you know J- Jason Gray style unconsciousness. Uh, uh. He uh, he does he's he's like a little bit woozy, a little like he walking around. Does it seem like he is like? It's the typical, like, I just had surgery and I'm, like, high on painkillers type of thing.
1: Yeah, that very much seems to be kind of, like, the the vibe with him. Or he's drunk or something. Yeah, I and then Jack is, like, takes a bath in wine.
0: Jack does do that. Maybe Hearth got in there with him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why he would do that. Maybe he did. Uh, but, no, that's interesting that, like... For instance, that is, like, continuing just, like, the very distinct sort of magic uh, that exists in this world. That That is not what happens when, like, uh, Magnus gets tired from using his healing magic, right? hmm Like, he doesn't start, he doesn't get a little high off of it.
1: Yeah, and he doesn't, like, explode the way that I think. I think King Chronicles Edition just exploded when they ran out of magic. I think so. Or a...
0: are, are they, like, incinerated or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, Rick Ryden's pretty good at that at having like at least small distinctions between magic in that way
1: He's gotten better at it, is what I'll say
0: He has, yes <laughs> Oh, a big thing in these chapters that we haven't discussed yet is the framing of, like, guest and host rights
1: Yeah, 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 which is, like this is, like, if I recall correctly like, a huge thing in, like, Norse mythology
0: Yeah, it's the classic thing, right? I mean, especially with, like We've talked a lot throughout this entire podcast about, like, the mythological, the classic mythological thing of, like, an old decrepit man, like, asks to be, you know, to stay at your home. And how mm-hmm. you treat, if you treat him poorly, and the next day you discover that he was Odin. You know, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. that That's a very classic story. And so I... I like that we're engaging with these cons. we're like engaging with all the concepts in a really good way. And mm-hmm. it it makes this whole thing feel very, um very, you know, like a like a bit of a myth and also very fairy tale to me.
1: Yeah, it kind of it, it has that thing that fairy tales do where they're like their rules lawyering each other while trying to kill one another, which is always just like very fun to watch. I think I think honestly it could have gone for a bit longer, but I think it's like it was intentionally Cap to like stay short by the fact that the giants were drunk
0: yeah which is i i like the tipsy giants as girlies
1: <laughs> listen they just want to have a good time
0: yeah yeah living their best lives and they have like uh off to go see i think their frost giant boyfriends
1: yeah twins i think is what twins. they specify
0: I need to know this rom com. I need to see it play out. And <laughs> well, tra- it has a pretty
1: sudden and interrupting ending. Like they're right in the middle of it.
0: Well, it's like the tragic ending, right? Because like you know, when the when the love interests are discovered to have been killed by fucking some eye or whatever. <laughs> That, that that's that's like at the end of that movie with like that romance movie with like Robert Pattinson or whatever and he gets the new job and then like in the last few seconds you discover that the new job is in uh the World Trade Center on the set like <laughs> on September 11th 2001
1: I is that not a final destination movie I swear that's a final destination movie
0: It is not It is oh a my God. I don't know if it, I don't know if it's a rom-com, but it is, there is a, it's like a movie where the twist ending is that 9-11 is about to happen to this guy, (laughs) but like you cut to him like being all excited, he's got his job, and then cut away, and it's, you know, like his partner or something teaching class, and she writes, all right, class, today is September 11th, 2001, (laughs) it's time for our history lesson.
1: See, I think what you should do if you're going to do that is you play that whole thing completely straight uh, and let the tension ratchet up, and then you cut back to her and she writes 2002 on the board.
0: <laughs> and this is just a world where the World Trade Center still exists. Didn't they, didn't they rebuild it?
1: All right, no. fine, 2000. Th-
0: two yeah, 2000, 2000. As long as he
1: gets himself fired, he'll be fine.
0: It's fine, yeah.
1: Anyway, um, yeah, that's the ending of this rom-com. It's these two frost giant ladies texting their boyfriends, and then they glance out the window, and Thor is flying his chariot into their castle. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, fucking Thor. <laughs> um, and I, I... The other thing I love about, like, the host rights and guest rights thing is that this is a whole, like, mythological rule set about how you have... how. You're finding loopholes. The, the, the entire point of guest rights isn't to actually help people. Mm-hmm. The, the point is to screw people over just within the rules. Like, well, you know, it's politeness. Uh, the
1: point is to be able to kill someone and get away with it.
0: It's the same thing that happened with Blitz's match. You could sit as many fucking sabotages as you wanted, as long as you're yeah, not, quote-unquote, yeah. too obvious. And this is also, like, <laughs> society... <laughs> like this is capitalism this is the world we live in where like the entire thing is as long as you like don't admit like yeah we sent uh yeah we we sent our full police force to you know destroy all of that homeless encampments things uh take away all their precious uh you know items that they've gained destroy their you know temporary homes and uh you know make, make them even worse off as long as you just say like oh yeah we're we cleared up a problem then it's fine
1: there were some troublemakers in the community, and then that's fine. You can s- just say that.
0: Like, I think this is a very strong, a very strong thing for that reason. Like, I I love that we are all, like, as long as you don't outright say, I'm doing this to hurt someone, then it's fine. That's fucking good.
1: I I almost, I think the good way that this could go is that this ends up getting tied back into Sam. Yeah. Because Sam is, like, you know, her entire thing is, like, engaging with these institutions in good faith, even though she knows that she's kind of going to get screwed over. And, like, I I feel like the the lesson that she's been repeatedly taught in this book with the guest rights and the contest and stuff is, no, sometimes you got to kind of get your hands a bit dirty and uh, fuck these people over as well.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's true. I, I would love for that to be sort of her arc. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Magnus has his clever plan, as usual. Uh, I. You're right. He is an asshole here. He's just like, yeah, I fucking <laughs> killed your sister. By the way, you can't do <laughs> shit about it.
1: I like that he plays that card twice. He's uh, twice he's able to play the "I murdered your close family member" card.
0: He Magnus is always killing someone's close family member. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he said he's throwing Jack up so many people's noses.
0: God, I. Jack is fucking scary. <laughs> like the fact that he could basically instantly kill anyone as, lo- as long as like he's okay with doing it, basically, mm-hmm. Um, I-, I like that like the entire guest you know host thing hinges on Jack being like, "Well, we have to do this first." Um, you know, gives him a bit more characterization than just like funny talking sword. It makes him really feel like he is this ancient relic that really is invested in these sort of, like, traditions in that way.
1: Yeah, and it also, you know, it puts a very handy limiter on Jack's power, where you end up with a really interesting situation where, like, Magnus has a really powerful tool that can kill anyone, but it, like, it has a mind of its own, and, like, Magnus is not fully in control of it, and it can turn against him at, like, inopportune times.
0: Yeah, it would be... Imagine how fucked it would be if there's like a Magnus versus Jack part like <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean, that would be fucked. I also don't think it'd be very long.
0: <laughs> no no I don't think so <laughs> What's up with this like giant family? Why are they always all drunk
1: i I guess this is just this is just an os pathology thing. everyone's always drunk. They're always drunk
0: I guess that's true, yeah, and also they're a little bit like. Gernot is like the overprotective dad who's like jealous of his daughter's boyfriends. hmm. Uh, you know, the like rules for dating my teenage daughter style like thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's he's got like a t-shirt that says he's a crack shot or something.
0: Yeah, he brings the frost giants over and says like, do you like my, do you like my weapon? This is, this is Thor's weapon. It's very easy to kill people with.
1: (laughs) God, Thor's fucking stick.
0: It's Thor's fucking stick. He can watch a little bit of TV on it.
1: I... That must mean that it like projects on the end of the pole, right? And he's having to like fucking squint at it.
0: It's like watching, uh, it's like watching Game of Thrones on like your fucking Game Boy. Like watching one, of, <laughs> you know, like how you to get like two episodes of Pokemon and watch them on your Game Boy.
1: God, yeah.
0: <laughs> that I I have to imagine it's pretty similar. Yeah, you know, the I guess if it's a really big hammer, that would be a big improvement over like end of a pole.
1: Yeah, I mean, like. You know, Mjolnir is a big, a big old hammer. I think you could get like, you could reasonably say that that'd be like as big as like a laptop screen. That'd probably yeah, be I, fine.
0: I think so. Yeah. Whereas pole, not not as good.
1: Not as good. Awkward to hold, also. To, yeah. Like, you you're either having to like hunch over it because it's resting on the ground, or like find something to suspend it on so that it like stays eye level with you. And either way, you're probably gonna like fuck up your back doing that.
0: Yeah. I. Thor's already all kinds of fucked up though <laughs> Hey wait a second Is the I don't, want, I don't want to see you with those frost giant boys Is that like another like Interracial dating thing
1: Uh, It might be It might yeah cause like the, Cause this is also like the stereotype right Is like the, the alcoholic overprotective father And his like You know f- f- floozy daughters Is kind of like a redneck stereotype So I can see that being also like Oh, wait, they're all frost giants.
0: Oh, they are all frost giants. Wait a second. Are they all frost giants? Wait, why did he say, like, those frost giant? I thought he said that. Let me double check this. No, you know, you're right. They're all frost giants. He does say those frost giant boys, which is, you know, the classic sort of phrasing. But I think uh-huh. they, maybe we could read this as more of like a Are you out with those Hendersons again? You know, th- those <laughs> Henderson boys? And maybe as, like, that, that, I don't know. Never mind.
1: Well, hang on. Maybe it's fucking Kyanese brothers.
0: <laughs> oh my god I, and he just I,
1: assumes that frost giants.
0: i would act exactly like their dad if my daughter <laughs> exactly was dating those fucking guys
1: maybe he's right to be overprotective actually fuck those guys
0: i would absolutely bring the fucking incel into my home and be like this is my gun do you see <laughs> i probably wouldn't do that but, um but
1: I I mean I wouldn't bring them into my home for one thing.
0: Yes. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Um, Magnus, uh, as always, knows how to play. Uh, play with the rules in a way that lets them be safer. Uh, he. Hmm. Yeah, you know, we we sort of saw that in Hotel Valhalla. We're seeing that again with again with him, like learning that guest rights are a thing, and then exploiting them to get in with Garenod.
1: L- literally, one chapter later, immediately having a handle on like how they work. Yeah. Yeah. This is also like him trying to like get um that that uh, sea goddess to like swear by her trough. but like you really get a sense that Magnus is like used to like grabbing any advantage he can with both hands and exploiting it as much as he can because he's just like spent so much time like living rough.
0: And both times it doesn't quite work. You know, kind of works mm-hmm. with the sea goddess because that ends up being part of the you know that's part of the exchange that leads him to getting what he wants, and it. Kind of works here because it means that he agreed that you know he doesn't immediately kill them and instead says, Let's play a game.
1: <laughs> he turns him into jigsaw,
0: he puts on the face like some face paint and is like, All right, let's let's play a game of catch. What if Billy the <laughs> puppet just wanted to play catch all along and never realized?
1: Listen, he's got he's got a sore puppet, but it's just the size of a normal person,
0: <laughs> yes. Oh god. And, that, and this is very fairy tales too uh, like just like let's you know play a game of catch with me survive for 10 minutes mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna fucking throw hot coals at you let's remember how Magnus died the first time was by getting a hot coal thrown into his chest
1: god I didn't even I didn't even consider that and actually now that you mention it it's kind of weird that Magnus at no point is like I don't want to do this again
0: yeah I guess you want it was like hot tar versus hot coal mm. It's a, it's a bit different
1: I guess I'll, I I would argue that the experience while you are burning to death, like the differences, are academic.
0: Probably so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe like one is a stickier death. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's it's sort of like the burning sticks to your skin more. Uh, y- you know how it is. Um, uh
1: uh-huh. Or he either drowned or cracked his head on the ice, so he doesn't mind.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh, uh huh. Giants. The whole way giants are portrayed here is. I think we're primed to think of them a certain way when we learn for, I mean, we've already encountered a few, but the specific mm-hmm. family by Sam saying that Jack and the beanstalk was based off of like people finding themselves in Jotunheim. Mm-hmm. Um, I and so by going to Boston, uh, huh. and so we're prepared to think of them as like these big ogres. And that kind of is what they are here. Yeah. One of the first things we learn about them is that they are very stinky.
1: They're, they're stinky, the daughters don't know how to apply makeup properly, I guess. They're all drunk.
0: Yeah, they're ugly, they're stinky, they're drunk. It's very, like... At the very least, we know this isn't how uniformly all giants are, but I think... Well, I, was ba-
1: <laughs> uh-huh. I was about to say, it's very funny that we had, like, um the, the giant that was also a bird earlier on being like, well, you know, don't don't narrow giants down so much. There's there's a lot of a lot of nuance and, invari- and variance to uh, giants... And then we get to this chapter and it's just like exactly what you expect giants to be.
0: Yeah. But I guess it's softened by the fact that like up to this point, we've had like fucking sharp dressed man. Uh, we, we've had, you know, the trickster bird guy. Mm. We've had, we've had, you know, pissing woman in river. Like <laughs> they're, they're all, they're all very different in a way that makes it not feel like, okay, we've got the, you know, we've got our gross villain. Mm. Like type of person. And that, that that makes it a bit better, I think.
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh What's going on with Thor and Loki? Seems to be a bit of a bit of an unrequited unrequited friendship going on here.
0: Yeah, yeah, well required and make sure to remind us that they're not brothers. Uh Yep. <laughs> you've seen the Thor movie, but they're not brothers. Uh and yeah, Thor I was surprised by this. I was I was pleasantly surprised to see a bit more nuance to Thor um, mm. where he talks about how like you know he really had a soft spot for Loki he likes that they've spent that like the time they've spent together he thought they made a really good team and you know it's so unfortunate to have to put po- snakes dripping poison on his face forever
1: <laughs> yeah it's on the one hand it forms a real contrast to Loki being like no this guy's fucking evil don't trust him But I guess also, from Loki's perspective, Thor is one of the people who put him in hell and then made a snake drip poison into his eyes.
0: Yes. So I think, like,
1: even if he knew how regretful Thor is about that, he would probably still be like, fuck you for feeling, like, self-pity over this.
0: There's no way to be tortured by someone and not hate them afterwards with every fiber of your being, I don't think.
1: Yeah, I think Thor is definitely, like, part of him being a big dumb guy is that he really is not, like cognizant of like his role in the world and like how he affects people
0: yeah we we really get this portrait of him as like childlike a little bit Mm -hmm. he complains about marvin and otis and is like oh i my dad asked me what i wanted you know my my you know my like uh mounts to be and i i said i want flying reconsumable goats and because i thought that would be so cool but now they suck
1: now one of them has depression.
0: Now one of them has depression. Because <laughs> uh,
1: I keep killing him.
0: And I like to. I love to eat him every time. But, <laughs> uh, God. And, like, he's just a big... He's not, like, a sad sack, but he's just a big dolt. He, he does the, like, God of the common people thing where he, like, insists Sam doesn't call him, like, Lord Thor...
1: Which is like so obviously hypocritical because he's just been like sending them on fucking fetch quests for him.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's a a big bundle of like hypocrisy and contradiction in a way that is like, yeah, this is this is some guy.
1: He is he is like he's wrapped in a buf- bubble of privilege and is too dumb to notice it.
0: Exactly, exactly. He's also <laughs> quick. We get a very quick joke about Thor being in a dress.
1: Uh, yep, yeah, we do.
0: Uh, I'll leave it there, but that, is, that does happen. Ha-ha <laughs> funny Leif Erikson bra, ha-ha funny Thor dress.
1: Yep. Thanks, Rick.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Rick. Uh, Hearth in these chapters gets fucking mad. <laughs> uh, Hearth God, is... I do
1: like him just fucking going off at Thor and Thor being completely oblivious.
0: Hearth going off at Thor immediately after, like- being the angriest Magnus has ever seen him while, uh, Ganella <laughs> has her sword to Blitzen's throat. They are fucking in love with each other.
1: They have to be. There's, I, this is not up for interpretation.
0: This is, like, it It seems like basically text, right? They,
1: they, like, it has done everything but, like, say the word love.
0: Yes. And I... I hope we get there.
1: I... It would be really nice rick ryan is not going to convince me that these two are hetero life partners
0: no no i i i know like people are going to complain like oh every time there are two guys who are friends in media you <laughs> fucking fujoshi want them to be gay or whatever <laughs> what but... happens to
1: strong female strong male friendships
0: <laughs> and i'm here to say yeah i do want them all to be gay fuck you
1: you know what maybe they do still have a strong male friendship maybe they keep their socks on who knows
0: ah um actually we get another thing here about how like not all giants are bad we get that as a reminder from blitz um Mm -hmm. but uh, but that's about grid i think her name is um but maybe all giants are bad because (laughs) she is a friend of thor which probably means she's not a very good person
1: that probably does mean she sucks yeah we need to find a giant who's ambivalent on Thor, because I think you know if they if they hate Thor, they're portrayed as evil, and if they're with Thor, they're definitely evil. Yeah. So we need just a giant who's living out in the sticks. Hey, what did the what did the chapter title "Never Ask a Dwarf to Go Along mean?
0: Uh, go long is what you say when you throw a ball and you want someone to run far and catch it.
1: But Blitz doesn't like throw th- throw a thing.
0: No. Uh, go, go long is what you ask someone to do when you're throwing something like at them for them to catch. Oh, I
1: thought, I thought go long was like telling someone to throw something a long way.
0: No, no. Go long is like run, like, like run far out so you can catch this when I throw it far.
1: I see. I see. I have so much to learn about American football.
0: I guess that is an American football thing. So it makes sense (laughs) that you wouldn't necessarily know it. It's not really something people say in a game of catch either. Usually you say things like, Good job, sport, or nice throw. Or like or,
1: Ah, my roof is falling on me.
0: <laughs> oh, Magnus does fucking kill this guy that way. It's good. <laughs> it's a very short chapter, like it's it's just like a quick I, action scene. Uh huh. I,
1: I do feel like we, we talk a lot about it whenever like Percy like properly kills someone. I feel like Magnus has already racked up a higher body count just because, like, as far as we know, there's no mechanic by which these people can, like, resurrect. So even when he's, like, killing mythological stuff, it seems like they just fucking die.
0: Yeah, like you said, this isn't... We know that they're all gonna come back during Ragnarok. um, And, like, presumably... And, you know, invade Valhalla or whatever. Or or invade Asgard. But, Mm -hmm. apart from that... Like you said, this is a, a linear... This isn't, like, a a cycle. It's not everyone's coming back, repeating the same thing exactly. It's more linear than that. It does seem like he's just killing people forever.
1: Yeah, this is not like the Minotaur coming back in, like, Last Olympian or something.
0: I don't think Gernot is going to come back in a big way in Book 3. <laughs>
1: uh, I do think we should call him Gayrod, because that's, that's how I read it.
0: Oh, I mean, yeah, that is a... Uh you're right because I mean you're not right you're <laughs> to be clear you're not right that's not good I mean it's fine it's good but it's not correct uh but Magnus does the classic Rick Riordan thing of like did you say a rod uh like the mm. baseball player and then it does, <coughs> he does play a game of catch like you would do with a baseball so oh yeah so like I guess it is probably like gay or nod or something like that
1: Thor has a fucking gay rod that's what he retrieves from the cupboard
0: are we in middle school now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Listen, I'm just saying that the way he's talking about Loki is, I think that this to me reads as they had a really bad breakup, and Thor did not realize how bad it was.
0: That's a to tell. Say more. Say more.
1: Oh, I uh, <laughs> you're pressing you're pressing me on uh, my like a split second justification of my incredibly immature joke. I don't have more on this. I just
0: say more. Dre. Go into detail. <laughs> Come on.
1: Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> this is why Loki put Thor in the dress.
0: You're right. You're right. Okay. You know, uh, speaking of f- jokes involving Thor that are pretty good, um, such as mm-hmm. uh, such as your gay rod joke. Um, uh-huh, thank you. I uh, I I love the bit. In like how we get in chapter fifty five, Magnus being like, "Why do you have a parachute?" and Blitz is like, "Every dwarf has a parachute. Like, what do you think? Who do you think I am? I'm still like, may, I'm not. I may not be good at crafting, but I'm still a dwarf." And Magnus <laughs> is like, "Okay, dude, whatever." And then uh, in chapter fifty seven, uh, Thor is like, "I I can't be without my hammer. That's like a dwarf without a parachute." <laughs> I thought that was a really good bit. A good setup and payoff.
1: That is. It's a good setup and payoff. I assume that when Magnus gets, like, blown off this building at, from the end of the chapters by a gust of wind, fucking Blitz can save him with his parachute.
0: Hopefully. Why could- okay. You've never read One Piece. No. This is gonna resonate with some people. This is like a fucking- Th- Thorne is a fucking Bartholomew Kuma to, like, like to the Straw Hats. Uh, like, the way he- the, what is what he does- Bartholomew what? Sorry? He does a Bartholomew Kuma. Uh, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> Uh, like, like uh, to two uh, Thor is to Bartholomew Kuma as uh 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 the Straw Hats are as Magnus and the gang are to the Straw Hats at the pre time skip period.
1: Who's Bartholomew Kuma?
0: He's. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Uh, this is well... this is what I've
1: been reduced to. I'm just fucking mispronouncing people's names to make them sound stupid. <laughs>
0: You know what, Jane? It's fine. You know, I know that it's pretty late for you. We had to go in <laughs> for a late recording. I'm sure you're not all there.
1: Yeah, fucking six o'clock. I'm, <laughs> I'm going deep. by this time.
0: Yeah. Huh? We, we, we've really been trying to do the 2 p.m. recording, which requires me to get up at 5 a.m. and record with you. Uh, <laughs> <sighs> why does Magnus think people can't stay alive when they have heavy facial damage?
1: I I mean, okay, to be fair, when he's talking about that, he's talking about Two Face, who absolutely should be dead.
0: You think so? Yes. Yeah, I guess so.
1: I listen, you can you can have like heavy facial damage and like live, but you can't like keep it fucking exposed and unscarred the way the Two Face does without dying. You just get an infection.
0: I guess that's probably true.
1: <laughs> or indeed the way that hell does.
0: Yeah, I guess you're right. Well, she doesn't seem very alive i will say
1: no that's true she's i think magnus repeatedly refers to her like fucked up half as like zombie
0: yeah she's like a zombie she's a bit of an ethereal ghost in the way that required and required and loves to write an ethereal goddess woman Mm Hmm. it's kind of his thing um she's 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 scaly uh and then she she's scaly, and then she makes like immediately just diffuses the situation by being like you're going to make a joke about my name, you're going to say, "Oh, you're hella scary looking." you're going to say, "What the hell?" You're going to say any of that stuff.
1: <laughs> to be fair, I do think that's that's understandable that she'd be fucking sick of that.
0: Yes. And Magnus in most situations I think would do that.
1: Absolutely.
0: This is a great chapter.
1: This is this is really good. You can you can fucking feel that this is Loki's kid. Yeah. Because, like, she's, you know, she's trying to drive Magnus towards the same thing that Loki was. She's just doing it from, from like, in her own way by just being, like, a massive Juma.
0: Yeah. And it goes hand-in-hand hand with what we've talked about before about the entire fucking structure of, like, the cosmology of the universe and the themes mm-hmm. of the book. We were right.
1: We were right.
0: Like... We literally had an episode where we said uh, that the big thing about Magnus Chase seems to be like rewriting the details and not like, and uh, saying that like you can only rewrite the details, but you can't actually change the ending uh, and like mm-hmm. h- how working within that works and like whether, like how you cope with only being able to work within that. And Hell's basically saying here, like, yeah, nothing you do fucking matters. So just do the thing that makes you happy. <laughs>
1: and the other big thing in Magnus Chase so far has been like taking a really critical eye towards like violence and warfare and like kind of examining the way that it fucks people up and that's also what's going on in this chapter because like while the whole Bunker Hill thing makes Magnus think about how like oh well all my mates were caught in fucking endless war and it seemed to really fuck them up maybe maybe this is bad actually <laughs> maybe we sh- should be fucking glorifying this
0: yeah she she makes sure to go in on like there was a kid who was right there his commanding officer shot him because he was crying for his mother uh those those brutish brits uh huh. bastards those bastards and it reminds him that the british did indeed win that day though i mm-hmm.
1: i think maybe hell needs to read more history books <laughs> uh-huh because, let, let me tell you, inflicting uh, an extremely costly victory on, like, the occupying force, uh, you know, that's not, like, a total loss. That's actually pretty good in the long run. If you can just it keep is. doing that, they'll probably fuck off, which is what happened.
0: Yes, yes, literally. Um, but, like, it, the, I the, there is no revolution where it's won by total military defeats in every single conflict Mm -hmm. um but i guess she knows that a little bit uh she just thinks of it in a slightly weird way yeah Uh, i she has a great line here where she's talking about like i don't like the how being a grand hero is like such a small thing to be um and like, like so outweighed by everything else in the universe uh, for every mm-hmm. hero, a thousand cowards for every brave death, a thousand senseless ones for every in her eye, a thousand souls who enter my realm. I, I, I just love that. Like she's downplaying the idea of being a, like a protagonist, a hero. She yeah. says that like that is one of the least important things you can be. And I think that's really cool.
1: It's very cool, and it's it's interesting to me that Magnus actually reacts so negatively to this, because a lot of what we've seen in the book so far has been kind of Magnus almost going in this direction, where he is not the kind of, like, the... As much as he does have a high body count, he is, like, as much of a healer as he is a warrior, and he, like, you know, is often trying to, like, talk his way out of problems rather than just, like, punching his way out.
0: Yeah, and I think what makes that work and not feel like a total, like, you know betrayal of his character or anything is Mm -hmm. that that ultimately doesn't play a lot into his decision yeah uh the thing that plays into his decision is thinking about his mom uh i just like thinking about what she was like how vibrant she was when she was alive and how gray and lifeless she would be if they had if they spent the rest of their afterlives together here Uh, yeah
1: it's I really hope that this commits to the, like, this was Magnus's one chance to see his mom again. And, I hope so. You know, he he made the decision, he said no, and it's just, like, not an option he ever has.
0: Because if, I, I feel like if anyone could have returned her to life, it would have been hell, and she explicitly yeah. says it's impossible. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, maybe he meets Odin, and Odin is able to do something. I, I, I hope it stays there. Because it's so good. Like, Magnus, like... You know, Magda's crying and Hel being like, so that means you want to do it, right? And him being, like, quite the opposite, actually. Uh, yeah. That, that's great.
1: It's I, a really wasty decision, and I hope it doesn't get, like, undermined later.
0: I hope not, yeah. Um. And I, I like that we actually get... I like that she specifically is using, like, some, you know sneaky rhetorical strategy here because Mm -hmm. the story she tells him about is about a young boy who gets shot for crying for his mother.
1: Oh yeah, that was definitely on purpose.
0: And like you said, she's obviously a daughter of Loki and that's, it's good character writing. It's You Mm -hmm. you can tell where she came from. Uh, Anything else you want to talk about with these chapters, Jane?
1: Uh, I do think Magnus uh, thinks something pretty dumb here.
0: What's that? What's that?
1: Uh, Where... When hell is, like, telling you about Bunker Hill, he goes, Granted, my American history was a little rusty, but I was pretty sure they didn't build monuments at the site of sad and meaningless events. And, Magnus, let me tell you about this little thing called the First World War.
0: God. I... Sad and meaningless events are half of all monuments, I think.
1: I... I you cannot walk three fucking streets in this city without finding some kind of First World War monument.
0: Also... You you live in the United States where there are a million <laughs> Confederate statues.
1: Or, like, like, Vietnam memorials.
0: Yeah, there are all sorts of, like, people who did fucked up shit for, you know, meaningless or ultimately, like, bad reasons. Uh, and, you know, they and you know, died for, you know, because of trying to claim their misguided ways like that that's mm-hmm. half of all that's 90% of all monuments
1: yeah i i guess we can, can we can cut him some slack given that he hasn't been in school for 2 years
0: but. i guess that's fair he he has a i guess he has a 14 year old's view or something I
1: How he old is he, 16 16? 16 yeah that's
0: why, that's why i mean he has a 14 year old's view because he hasn't been in school yeah. for 2 years
1: he <laughs> has a 14 year old's level of education
0: yes so he's like a, he's he's an eighth grader of a sort <laughs> Alright, I think that'll be it first today uh, Good good stuff here, good chapters I'm excited for our, our final stretch Which were inter- final three episodes, I think Yeah uh, Not so set.
1: Not so set.
0: You have, uh, I hear you have a lot of evidence for
1: your entry this week Fuck off <laughs> <laughs> uh... Come on, Jane Um, yep, yeah, my my picks are Thor and Loki uh, and I fully believe that there was a way to resolve uh, Thor's wife getting stolen without making uh, Thor fanboy up I think they were just waiting for any old excuse to do that
0: I think that's probably true my pick is Hell. Mm-hmm. I I think that she had a, a sort of uh, ulterior motive for wanting to claim Natalie Chase's soul uh, I, I think she did in fact want to go on those coffee dates
1: uh, I see with boulder's approval i assume
0: of course of course <laughs> no i mean he likes it <laughs> i don't know uh why do we talk about fucking cocking so much in this show
1: <laughs> you know i'm sure it's just the text that's that's actually to be fair it sometimes is the text
0: <laughs> it, it often is the text <laughs> Our intro and outro is Super Mario Ocean by Space Pony. You can find that at OC Remix.
1: Our uh, cover art is by Vera at Innsmouth underscore in on Twitter.
0: We are hosted by the Moonshot Podcast Network. Uh, you, we can find them at moonshotpods.com, goodfuckingpodcasts.com all sorts of amazing shows on there. Uh, we it, Currently, uh, every Saturday, I'm going to be part of a stream series where we're playing 999. Uh, that's a lot of fun. It's Um, great, because
1: I didn't see any of the stream prep for that, but as soon as I saw the post about it pop up on Twitter, I was like, oh yeah, Jacqueline's going to be in that.
0: I was, And I was indeed in that, so go (laughs) go watch that every Saturday night. Uh, I might not always be there, but I I will try to often be there, because I love that game.
1: Sometimes Um, you zero escape from having to do the stream.
0: This is true, yes. Seek a way out! Uh, Hi guys, (laughs) Um, I don't have a lot of time today, uh, so I can't really do it. Sorry! Uh, uh, I forget what it says at the end. Uh, uh, way out. Suck, sucked, <laughs> seeked, whatever. It's it's like the way the sneak. It, the past tense is snuck, so it's it's seek and suck, right?
1: I'm just gonna stay quiet and let you roll. This is this is all good. This is good audio.
0: Fuck me. Uh, you can find us uh, unwise girls on Twitter, Tumblr, Blue Sky co-host Mastodon. Uh, yeah, we don't
1: have a Mastodon.
0: Oh, thank God, um, <laughs> and also you can uh, go there and you know find our posts. You can uh, we, we post about various things, updates, uh, visual companions. We uh, also have links to our Discord server and our personal socials, etc. Uh, if you want to support us, you can go to your podcatcher of choice, subscribe, leave a five star rating and review, uh, click that bell. Uh, you can tell a friend about us. You can. Uh, also go to patreon.com slash unwise girls where for a dollar a month you get the discord role of certified chaser for three dollars a month you get the discord role of mid guardian as well as all of our bonus content
1: do podcasts have notification bells or is that just youtube <laughs>
0: that's just youtube <laughs> <laughs> maybe fucking pocket cast has it or something i don't know
1: uh yeah uh bonus content. Uh... Yeah, we're, we're just continuing to kind of truck our way through uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans at the minute. Uh, I think we're doing, like, really good analysis on the episodes. I've watched the show, like, four or five times before now, and uh, Jacqueline is still, like, pointing out, like, interesting shit that I had not noticed before. So, like, I, I think I think it's good, and if you're interested in Gundam, you should listen to it.
0: You should. Uh, and for $5 a month, you get the Discord roll of Thor's Hammered, which, you know playing big into that this weekend. That that's <laughs> It's still missing. Any one of you could be the Thor's hammered while it's missing. Thor's uh, shafted. Thor's shafted. <laughs> uh, and uh, all our bonus content and uh, a special thank you at the end of every episode.
1: Speaking of which, this week we'd like to thank Mint, Isle of Sammy's Great, Danny, Tanner, Mercy, Bree, and Erica.
0: Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode.
1: See you next week, Camp Half-Blood.
0: See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye. 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 Hey,
1: Riley. Yeah, Andrew. Do you want to make a podcast ad? I do, but what would we mention? So I think that we could probably put together an ad for a show called The Podcast Minds. Ah. There, but for the grace of pod, go we. You know, it's a podcast where we both pitch each other podcast ideas instead of doing one ourselves. Yeah, it's a podcast pilot pitching project. Totally. It's, we should mention that it's a comedy show, right? Where we throw out ideas like getting weirdly deep into the themes of Jumanji. Is that one a podcast? No, no. Uh, I, I, it's a it's a podcast idea that is actually a front for me to talk to you about hyper fixations I got. Oh, that's uh, most of the things that you hit me with. Uh, what about instead if we just talked about all the different ways you could do a rewatch of Lost? Oh, that sounds like you just did what I did, but you said it in a positive voice okay and along the way what if we pitched ideas like i don't know epic rap battles of mystery the lin-manuel miranda podcast listen to the podcast minds there before for the grace of pod go we on your podcatcher of choice on the moonshot network hi-ho hi-ho every friday